the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Welcome to Inside Conference USA on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Join us over the next 60 minutes as we recap last week's matchups, preview the upcoming games, make predictions, and much more. Here's your host. Welcome inside Conference USA. Andrew Rogers, Justin Zimmer back because it's week one. Football was played in week zero last Saturday in Conference USA, and now we've got a full slate of games to preview and make picks on. This week, Ben Cower is back behind the glass again for the second time. We got a surprise for you, too. He's come up with his little name. Justin had his Zimmer winner last year that we would go to to ask him, you know, if Marshall's favored by however much against the team, do they cover? And then we ask him to make a pick. So Cower's going to take over that role. I think we're going to stick with the Zimmer winner, but that's later on down the show. Okay. We'll, we'll start off, we'll, we'll recap the UTEP victory over New Mexico State, and then Justin and I are going to make a couple of picks that we did not make at the back end of the first show last week. We picked who we thought would win the East and West divisions and then who would win the Conference USA Championship, ultimately in football here. But we'll make some other picks. We'll go in-depth um, with Player of the Years on each side of the ball, Coach of the Year, and much more. But we'll start with the only game that has been played in the conference so far this season. It was a UTEP victory on the road at New Mexico State, 30-3, to Justin. Yeah, I, th- I think you know this was kind of like an expected win for UTEP whenever you play an independent. If you're a team in the group of five or power five, you are expected to go in and have a dominant game, and UTEP did that. Uh, just a couple concerns I had on with UTEP is the, really the amount of penalties. They had 12 penalties in the game, 140 yards. They're going to need to cut down on that if they want to really be competitive at also, but also on third down conversions, three for 12. That's not, that's a very low percentage. And so even though it's early in the year, I'm looking at the feature from this, from the SAP broadcast monitor. That's a little, that that's very concerning. Yeah. A couple of good things to point out about this UTEP team got off to a great start, went up 17 to nothing in the first quarter, really set the tone, I think, for how that game would go. Eventually the Aggies, that being New Mexico state kind of settled in and were able to not as allow as many points, only allowed 13 points the rest of the ball game. But from UTEP's perspective, we saw a, a couple of different running backs. Ronald Awat, um, a transfer comes in, 74 yards and a touchdown. We talked about Deion Hankins being, really being the main guy. He runs for, for 50 yards and a touchdown on his 11 carry. So it was a couple of running backs that were used there from these minors. And I think going into the year, we were thinking, okay, it's probably Hankins, Hankins out of the backfield, but a watch showed a little bit, and then even uh, Quadres Wadley, six carries, 51 yards as well out of the backfield. Yeah, I think the, you know, I was listening to the UTEP broadcast uh, Saturday night. I think they're they're very confident in that running back room, and the running it really showed. You know, they had about 203 rushing, <clears throat> sorry, 203 on the ground, 249 in the air with passing. So, you know, they were you know Dan and Demel in this offense, they were really able to split out the running and passing attack so that's actually very good that it's not just like the one trick pony and what what happens goes so good there and then the receiving core I mean you know the receiving didn't do majority of the work I mean Cowling Jacob Cowling Justin Garnett Quadris Wadley and Walter John Jr. those were the four receivers a lot of this game was based on the rushing attack so that's very good for for the UTEP Miners that they can be a little more they don't have to be as reliant on receiving they they could really do a lot of their work through the, through the groundwork. And you look at the best teams in this conference, Marshall, uh, UTSA, 
they're built UAB. UAB. They're built on. They're really built on the ground rushing attack. So I think this is a very positive sign if you're a UTEP fan. It won't happen right away, but considering that now they're going towards of a rushing approach, that that's. I think that's just the trend of this conference is the ground game. Yeah, good effort week one, 203, and a couple of scores on the ground. Gavin Hardison, the starting quarterback, just threw the ball 16 times, 11 of 16 for nearly 250 yards and a touchdown and also threw a pick. But you mentioned the wide receivers, Cowing and Garrett. Those two guys are back, and they're going to have to carry the load there at wide receiver. Nobody else really was effective in the passing game, but UTEP didn't really have to pass a lot because they wanted to run the football, like you said. So a good win for the Miners. Uh, here in week zero, it yeah, was. Yeah, week the zero, because uh, they played week one as well. So yeah, they so get right back at it. The Miners will be back in action this Saturday week, night. and we'll eventually preview that game as we go on here and make a pick for it. Justin, let's transition, though, to a couple of picks that we're going to make here. Let's start at Offensive Player of the Year. Who is your predicted? Who do you think is going to win Offensive Player of the Year come well, December? I, I think come um, I think going back and looking at last year, I think Sincere McCormick is going to win the Offensive Player of the Year. I think UTSA's like ground game and how UTSA has been really successful. It's really been on the on McCormick and how good they've been at rushing the ball. So, for, and I think if the offense is, this is a, it's an offensive league, and I think defense is kind of now getting kind of pushed to the side. It's now in the offensive revolution, and you know it used to be okay, you have to have the best defense to win. Now it's really offense and. McCormick and, and UTSA, like, UTSA would not have been as good as they were last year without Sincere McCormick in, in as many rushes as he has. So I, I think he's the offensive player because I think he's got another productive year for the Roadrunners, and that's going to really help them in the West Division. I think uh, go win the uh, 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 offensive oh player. I'm going to double down on that. I agree. I think Sincere McCormick's going to win it as well. You just listen back to these numbers he had last year, 1,500 yards and 11 touchdowns, and that was in a shortened season. He was spectacular, and that was with his quarterback and Frank Harris really not being healthy the entire season. They rotated a couple of yeah, guys in they, and out. So. Especially late in the year. Yeah. I remember we were talking about, I think they were playing BYU or yeah. some team in the Mountain West. They had like a different quarterback, and they they gave BYU a run for their money, and BYU ended up you know, finishing the top 25. And a large part of that is because of what McCormick was able to do. Teams knew the ball was going to go to him, but – he was too good, and then they could not figure a way out to stop him. So I'm going to follow up with McCormick. If I had to pick a sleeper there, keep an eye on Grant Wells. Coming off a great, spectacular season in the, in the new offense, if he's throwing the football a lot, could be a guy that wins Offensive Player of the Year. But I'm going to go with Justin and make Sincere McCormick my pick for Offensive Player of the Year. And he's also the projected, the preseason Offensive yeah. Player of the Year in the conference as well. So we're kind of agreeing with the, the voters in that category. He's yeah. a uh, excuse yeah, me. Go ahead. Uh, he's a preseason All American. Yeah. Too, yeah. So a, a, a lot of the college football publications I've been reading in preparing for this show and in the season they they are they're really highly praising McCormick. But I want to get back on Andrew's point on Grant Wells. I don't think he's a sleeper. I'm a little concerned after last year about the interceptions and the confidence. I watching him against Navy is going to be a very tall tale to see how good he, is he actually going to be. But I also want to see. If he's not good, how long is the leash going to be for Coach Huff to put in the abandonment? Because you have to think after last year, it's not going to be that long. Again, the the first four, first seven games that he played were really good enough yeah. for him to win Conference USA Freshman of the Year and be and it was the team's well first team quarterback. So it was well you, deserved, throw the, you throw those final three games out the window, and he's could be maybe the best player yeah. in Conference USA. Depoy, I'm going to start us off here at Depoy. I want to mention two names. My first name I'm going to mention is who I think will win. That's D'Angelo Malone 
Uh, won it last year. He's a preseason pick again this year. Has got 25 sacks over the course of his career uh, with Western Kentucky. Only six last year in the shortened season, but it was enough um, for him to be able to win the award. And he's been really good off the edge for the Hilltoppers. He's back for another year. I'll take D'Angelo Malone. Keep an eye on Rashad Wisdom, safety from UTSA. Over 70 tackles last year and four interceptions. Could be a sleeper name to uh, you know listen for as we talk about this UTSA team down the road. Because there's a good chance where they get McCormick and Wisdom. But I think it's Malone, but Wisdom could uh, compete with Malone for that deep boy spot. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, UTEP. I'm going to go with the uh, Prince Prince Army Wool on uh, on the on the defensive tackle. I kind of I really uh, look, looking back Saturday night. I thought you know I think he's a very good pass ru- a very good r- rusher to the quarterback, and I think a lot of you know he's going to have a very and really in this where UTEP's kind of in the middle of like a tooling and trying to really get their systems going, and you know the defense it's it's heavy on sacks. If you're not going to be able to get back to the quarterback and sack them. You know, you're not going to win many ball games. It's going to just—it's giving the offense more chances with the ball and more chances for the quarterback to operate and throw. So, I'm going to go with uh, Amul there because I think the pass Amule. rush, Amule—that's going to be yeah. very key for the uh, minor success on the defensive side of the ball. Nick and I talked a lot about praise Amule last year because he really came onto the scene, bursted onto the scene for that matter. Seven sacks last year uh, in the games that he played. He, he's entering his fourth year. He's a sophomore fourth year sophomore because of the extra year year, he redshirted he's got the extra year so he's been with the program since 2018 that's a good pick good breakout uh and you get that deep play spot coach of the year justin i this is tough but i'm gonna go with uh the the team i have winning the east uh willie taggart and the florida atlantic owls i think he's gonna have a very good year down in florida atlantic he's had you know last year they had the COVID year they didn't have enough chance to install the offense the gulf coast offense which is up tempo very hard for teams so i'm, I'm gonna go with a uh, willie tacker as coach of the year i think he's gonna have a great year with the owls i'm gonna stay in the east division i'm gonna go charles huff i think in the first year he's going to keep marshall at the top of conference usa in that east division he's gonna write this ship for how it ended last year and i think his offensive system and uh the schedule looks pretty good favorable wise so he's gonna he's gonna have to play some big games with uap at home fau uh they'll have to go to boca raton to play the owls so i think it sets up Coach Shuff for his guys early in the season here, try to develop a little bit of chemistry, settle in, and I think he'll end up getting the job done. Marshall will have Coach of the Year in Charles Huff. Yeah, well, you talk about the schedule. I'm, I think the, the, he's going to have a tough game, and it's a Thursday night game against September 23rd in Boone against Appalachian yeah. State. That is going to be the toughest game on the schedule for Coach Huff. Yeah. And again, I. I I'm I'm still sticking with UAB as the toughest game. That's that's the rematch of the conference USA championship. And when they when it comes down to voting for this award, it's gonna come if to you're the to top the of the top in conference USA, that probably means you went undefeated in conference USA play or lost one game. And that's going to be more important than losing to Appalachian State. And Appalachian State's a big game, obviously yeah. non-conference. You beat them and last national, year. National Television. National Television. Exactly. So. That's an important game, but I think the UAB game, if he wins that football game and Marshall's rolling, I think that would help pencil him in for that coach of the year, and Marshall's probably winning the East. Yeah, I just think I'm interested to see how the offense is. I think, you know, the spring game all we saw was eight plays. I'm interested to see how the full system and the, yeah. and the schematics, and a lot of it will be I'm looking forward to watching the Navy game just to see the eye test. Like, how good does Marshall actually look? How Like, are they gelling together, and how – because I think a lot of it right now is the coach because like, oh, we've done the installs, we've all done that. Starting Saturday, 
he gets judged on wins and losses, and then yep. people, you, you, people like you and I and Cow and all of us here, the sports staff, you know, me, we, and come Monday or whenever we're on air, we'll we'll we'll, we'll have our we'll, we'll have a chance to say our piece, and if they're good and if they're bad, we'll have a chance to say our piece. You gotta keep in mind too, game one. Yep. Game one. Uh, we'll move on here. Top newcomer. I'll start us out here and just mention one name, but I'll follow up after if you don't mention him. But I'm going to go Bailey Zapp from Houston Baptist. Justin I, just made was, a reaction. I was going to go there, yeah. Gonna go there. Bailey Zapp, the quarterback now for Western Kentucky, put up really good numbers at Houston Baptist. We talked about Western Kentucky when we previewed them in their offense, bringing over the offensive coordinator and several playmakers into that offense to pretty much just change the entire scheme of that Western Kentucky Hilltopper offense. And I think that's going to do dividends for not only the Hilltoppers as a unit, but for Bailey Zapp, who's going to bring over what he did at Houston Baptist with the, having the same offensive coordinator and similar weapons on the outside. So give me Bailey Zapp to um, be the top newcomer and have a really good year. Well, you're going to go Zapp. I'm going to go different right now. I'm going to go with uh, the uh, Trey Lowe at Southern Miss. I, I mean, uh, you know, Will Hall brings him in as a transfer from, from West Virginia, but Will Hall was a very good offensive coordinator at, down at Tulane. West Virginia is kind of known for more of an air raid somewhat of a spread offensive scheme. I'm very interested to see how Will Hall has the offense running down at Southern Miss and they're playing uh, the first year coaches bowl against Kane Womack in the yeah. South Alabama Jaguars on Saturday night. Another name to keep an ear out for is Austin Kendall, who was named QB1 for Louisiana Tech. And when we talk about Louisiana Tech and their matchup this week, he was named quarterback one, and we'll talk more about it, obviously, but he was named QB1. That's a guy that started his career at Oklahoma, uh, played behind Kyler Murray and some of those guys, transfers to West Virginia, doesn't really get a whole lot of playing time, but gets the start or gets into the game in the bowl game against Army in relief of Jared Dagey, who was struggling. Kendall performs well. Now he's taking advantage of that extra year because of the COVID year a season ago. He transfers, and now he's going to have a, a chance to play with the Bulldogs. So, Two West Virginia quarterbacks, former West Virginia quarterback transfers, will now be starting for teams in Conference USA. So Kendall is another name to keep an ear out yeah. for because Louisiana Tech didn't really have a stable quarterback last year. If Kendall can do that and be that guy, he's definitely a sleeper pick of that top newcomer spot. Yeah, but also uh, looking at Louisiana Tech, they have a lot of quarterbacks on that roster, so yep. they're, they're going to have a lot. It's going to be interesting if Kendall's just the temporary guy for the week or, or if he keeps the job Does he for perform well the yep. whole year. I think one follow-up to that before we move on to another pick here. It looks good on his part that he, came, he he transferred in late. It was in early July, and for him to transfer, get to that, get to Ruston, start learning the offense, and be, win the job, because we're talking about a month, month and a half, to learn the offense, get adjusted, build chemistry, and appear that good to people around him and the coaching staff, that's a good sign. I think that means a lot of good things because he beat out the likes of Aaron Allen, a guy that was there. Luke Anthony's still recovering, so maybe that's part of the reason right. why Kendall's QB won, but he beat him out, and I think that's a good thing, and that's probably a positive sign moving forward because Kendall performed so well and earned the spot. Yeah, and it is a positive side. It's just you got you, you got to keep all the quarterbacks happy in that quarterback room when you have like three or four quarterbacks you know, it's not like the NFL where you just have, like, one guy and everyone's like, okay, he's the guy, all right, we're, we're yeah. just the backups. You know, college, there's a, there's, it's not like a self-anointing. You know, he's going to have to compete. And then Luke Anthony, whenever he gets back, the QB competition will heat back up again. 
All right, let's move on, Justin, to sleeper team. Did I pick this? Did I pick newcomer first or did you? Yeah, I did. So yeah. you pick first on who you think is a sleeper team. And when I say sleeper team, that is a team that is being – how do I want to phrase this here? A team that's being not underrated, be, yeah. not expected to perform well. Who do you think or which team bursts onto the scene and has a better year than expected? Charlotte. The 49ers, I, I was really impressed with the defense last year. Really, that Appalachian State game, I was really impressed with them. They, they held Appalachian to a 15-point deficit, lost a close game to Florida Atlantic, and lost a close game to UTEP, and kind of fell, fell apart later in the year. I think they have a very strong foundation on the defensive side of the football, and I think, you know, even though we're in the age of the offense and they have a lot of newcomers on defense, I don't think that's all bad. That's a very veteran defensive core group of guys, so... I'm going to go with the 49ers. I'm going to flip to the other division, that being the West Division. I'm going to go with the Rice Owls. And Nick Versolini is an avid Rice Owls fan. Yes, he, so Maxie Fielder. If, yeah. if, he, if he's hearing this or eventually goes to hear it, he'll love this pick. But I, I think the Rice Owls are a sleeper team. Again, pick toward the bottom half of that West Division. But let's keep in mind, the West Division is loaded, and they've got a lot of good teams that can compete with UAB. But I think Rice is being a little bit under, overlooked, or underlooked, I should say. I don't think they're being looked at too much because of uh, losing Mike Collins at quarterback. They do bring in Luke McCaffrey from Nebraska, started there. They bring him in to uh, Mike Bloomgren's system. They've got all their running backs back in. That's what Rice does. They run the football, and when they need to throw it, they'll mix in the play-action pass. And when you have that, it allows guys like Bradley Rosner, who's back at wide receiver, opted out last year to be able to perform. So looking at an offense that is very solid, when you get arguably one of your better wide receivers back after opting out. You get a guy in Luke McCaffrey who's got experience from the Power 5 and all of your running backs return. That, to me, is a good sign for this Owls team. And then defensively, um, their run defense was solid last year, and they don't really lose a lot. So I think Rice is a team that can win a lot of football games in a full year. They only played five games. They didn't start till October, and they still upset Marshall 20 to nothing at June C. Edwards Stadium. Had to come all the way over here yeah. and made Marshall look quite frankly bad right that that, that saturday made made you know they upset at the boy for the time they were the 17th rank in yep. the cfp and then yep. you know well it's five interception yeah i think you you talked about rice and you talk about the you know the like the running back room and bringing in bringing in mccaffrey as i was talking about earlier i mean this is a league that i think all the best teams in the league they have strong running back cores so i think if rice to have a very strong running back room i agree with that pick in the west division because i think yeah, I mean, the first three games are tough, Arkansas, Houston, Texas, but beyond that, they have a chance to win ball games, And so their strong running back room is going to really help, help, like, help wear out other opposing teams' defenses. Final pick before we step aside for a quick break and then start to preview and make picks for next week or the week ahead here in Conference USA, breakout player. And I say breakout player, that's not a guy – uh, and Grant Wells, who had a good year last year, if he breaks out again, you know he's probably the Heisman winner in that regard. But a guy that maybe didn't get a lot of playing time last year or just didn't perform as well, who do you think breaks out? What player breaks out this season in Conference USA, Justin? I think Frank Harris for the Roadrunners. I think last year, even though he played last year, I think with the injuries, like he didn't really get to have his full potential. And if he's healthy, him and McCormick, that is a very strong offense for the Roadrunners. 
Okay, I'm going to stay in the West Division, and I'm going to go with Dwayne McBride. He was a freshman running back last year. He ran for over 400 yards and four touchdowns as a freshman behind Spencer Brown. And they've also got Lucius Stanley and a couple other backs that they rotate in. So as a freshman, to be able to carry the ball only 47 times and run for over 400 yards, he was averaging nine yards per carry as a freshman last year. Uh, had some big carries in the, in the Conference USA Championship game, ran for 45 yards. So I think Dwayne McBride from UAP is going to have a big year, another good offensive line. And, again, that's Bill Clark's system. We're going to run the football. Yeah. We'll mix in the pass as well when we need to. So I'm pointing the finger, and I'm picking Dwayne McBride as my breakout player. And get a chance, we get a chance to watch him tonight. Yeah, yeah. UAB Jacksonville yep, State tonight. Hour. Yeah, we picked that last week. We all went UAB. We also went all UTEP. So right. we're one and zero, and we'll all either be one and one or two and zero by <laughs> the it, end of the night. Yes, by so. midnight we'll all have. Uh, I mean, I'm looking forward to watching. I'm interested to see how UAB plays against Jacksonville State in, in that new stadium. Yep, opening up the brand new stadium uh, there in uh, Alabama. In Montgomery, though, I yeah. think that they're not opening up their new one in uh, Birmingham. I believe until October. later on. Yeah, I believe until October. All right, that's does it for the first portion of Inside Conference USA. We'll step aside for a quick break. When we come back, we'll preview week one of the Conference USA football season. You're listening to Inside Conference USA on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Imagine if drug abusers said exactly what was on their minds. Hi, Jim. Uh, you got a minute? Only if it's a quick minute, Steve. Well, it's the Anderson file. We should talk about it. No, listen, I'd love to, uh, but I was just about to snort some coke. Why'd you say snort coke? That's right, cocaine. You know, blow, nose candy. I do it all day. Not your typical office conversation, but consider this. One in seven working Americans uses illegal drugs. But what about the Anderson file? Tell you what, let me duck into the men's room, do a couple of lines, and I'll be right with you. Of course, drug abusers aren't this candid about their problem. But sooner or later, their problem speaks for itself. Okay, got my head cleared. Now, about that Peterson file. Anderson file, Jim. What can you do for someone who needs help? Give them this number, 1-800-662-HELP. That's 1-800-662-HELP. It's the number of the National Drug Abuse Helpline. It's free, it's confidential, and it just may be the help they need. This message brought to you by the Partnership for a Drug-Free America. This tree was never chopped down because this crutch never needed to be carved because these legs never grew weak because this child never got polio. Over the past 20 years, Rotary Club members have helped immunize over 2 billion children against polio. Now we are on the brink of eradicating this crippling disease once and for all. But we need your help. Thanks to an historic matching grant from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, every dollar Rotary raises will work twice as hard to make sure vaccines reach the people who need it, to protect the children of the world against polio forever. This is an opportunity to end polio now. Visit rotary.org slash end polio. Rotary. Humanity in motion. 
I thought indoor tanning was safe. Right. They say their tanning rays were less likely to cause a sunburn. What you need to know is that they can be worse. They can cause deeper skin damage because the lamps can emit more ultraviolet radiation than the sun. Up to 15 times more. 15 times! Hello? Not only can UV rays cause skin cancer, but they can cause ugly, wrinkly skin and age spots. So instead of making you look cool, they can make you look like old. And FYI, every year there are more than one million new cases of skin cancer. Including melanoma, the deadliest form of skin cancer. And, and the, the second most common cancer for women in their 20s. Yes, in their 20s. And treatment for skin, skin cancer can be surgery and sometimes even chemotherapy and radiation. But still, more than 10,000 people will die from skin cancer each year. You don't want to be one of them. Don't be in, in the, the dark. dark. Indoor tanning is out. Be safe. Don't go there. A message from the American Academy of Dermatology. For more information, visit aad.org. Hi, this is former Marshall football player Blake Keller, and you're listening to the worldwide leader in Marshall Athletics coverage, the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Welcome back inside Conference USA. Andrew Rogers and Justin Zimmer alongside Ben Cower, who's behind the glass helping keep us on the air and online online at www.marshall.edu slash WMUL and right here on the radio, FM 88.1. Justin, let's make some picks here. Let's preview some games. We mentioned UAB and Jacksonville State will play oh, in a couple of hours. We picked that last week. Again, we all went UAB. So UAB-Jacksonville State tonight at 7.30 ESPN. UAB leads that series all-time 3-2. Couple of Thursday night games, but before we go to the Thursday night games, we're gonna stick with the Zimmer winner. No music this year, oh, but we'll on. stick with the Zimmer winner, and then we'll get to Ben's segment. I'm gonna sure. save what his intro is yeah. and how, what his what his little portion is here is. He'll make picks as well. But right. Zimmer, what is your Zimmer winner? The first one of the 2021 season. All right, Zimmer winner for the weekend. Well, I'm going to go with, I think, the surprising one here. Illinois favored by 5.5 against the UTSA Roadrunners. I wasn't confident in Brett Belima's offense against Nebraska. Nebraska's not really that tough of a team. So I'm going to take UTSA to cover. UT, or you're U- saying Illinois does not cover the 5.5. No, UTSA does not, uh, Illinois does not cover the 5.5. I, I was not impressed with Illinois last week against okay. Nebraska. Ben's segment is Ben's Bullseye. We're going to need an explanation for the name. I like it. Explanation yeah, and then your pick. Good. All right. Well, yeah, I'm the. Uh, it's called the Bullseye. Ben's Bullseye of the Week because trying to pick one of these games, it's like trying to you know throw a dart at a dartboard. You don't know. Like so, and, and like I mean, it. you got a tough week of spreads here. I was just writing them down. You got I a mean, tough week of spreads. It's interesting. So uh, I guess the uh, first Bullseye of the Week. I got uh, Charlotte over Duke in Charlotte. In an, uh, in an old North State grudge match. The spread currently six between them right now. Uh, I'm going to go, and then the over-under is 57.5 on points. Uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to take the over, and then I'm going to take Charlotte to win the game. Charlotte outright. So Duke, yes, Duke I, I take him over Duke. the six and a half. Bold. Mm. Bold. I like how he, he, he threw in the over-under as well. Yeah. yeah. That was something Justin did not provide last <laughs> year. But we, I also didn't uh, – I, mean, I failed I, to mention oh. to Ben, too, prior, you can pick against Conference USA oh, yeah. teams. So. You, you, okay. So you want to change well, I mean, I, now or no? No, I still okay. pick Charlotte. You don't, yeah, you're not 
I have required to say Western Kentucky is going to cover this, or Marsh is going to no. cover this, or UTSA is not going to cover it. So you can pick other teams. I think Charlotte's going to be Duke. Okay. I, I, you know, despite what Justin said, I mean, I, the both defenses are kind of shaky. On both teams, I mean, Duke's defense was not that good last year, and then Charlotte had its ups and downs. But you know, Charlotte is also looking for revenge because last year uh, they faced Duke in you know in yeah. Durham, yeah, yeah, in Durham, and it was a fifty-three to nineteen loss. So reading that, you might think, what you know, why am I picking Charlotte to win? Well, Charlotte has an improved offense. Uh, I mean, their QB, Chris Reynolds, should be should yeah. have a pretty impressive year. He's, at least he's expected to. Yep. Uh, and then he also has James Foster from A&M, who transferred there, who's you know kind of on his heels a little bit. Uh, the I mean, the 49ers have one of the strongest wide receiver cores in Conference USA. I mean, they're led by uh, Victor Tucker down there. Um, and the only thing that is kind of a question mark right now is their running back core. But, I mean, they still have four solid guys who are willing and wanting to break out. Uh, meanwhile, on the other side of the ball for Duke, I mean, they lost uh, Noah Gray. That's a, at yep. tight end. He's gone. Deion, jo- uh, Deion Jackson also gone. Uh, so, I mean, it's up to a, a new QB in uh, junior QB Gunnar Holmberg to try and lead them, you know, to a victory because they lost Chase Bryce after he transferred to App State. Yep. So... It's up to, I mean, the only certain I see for Duke is they have Mateo Durant Sr., who in uh, four of the last seven games last year had 100-yard games as a running back for Duke. So, I mean, I think it's going to be a high-scoring match, uh, and Charlotte is a bone to pick, and it's in Charlotte. So that's my uh, bullseye of the week. I got Charlotte over Duke. I do, I do like that you took a lower a lower spread because I think that game I, I was surprised the spread was six and a half. I, I like I like your pick, Kara. Thank you. I think it's bold though, but I, I like the pick. No, I, no, I, well, you got to start you, bold. You, yeah, you're starting off bold. I'm you playing conservative. Start bold. So just to recap, the Zimmer winner pick and the Ben's and Ben's bullseye of the week. That's going to be fun to say all year. Um, and that's going to transition into basketball, boy. By the way, too, in case you're wondering, um, Ben's pick is Charlotte Duke not to cover six and a half. He's got Charlotte outright. Uh, but he'll win either way. If Charlotte loses by three, it counts. Right. And Zimmer has Illinois not covering five and a half against UTSA. Before we preview Long Island and FIU, let's pause 10 seconds for station identification here on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Your home for award-winning coverage of Marshall Athletics is right here on WMUL-FM Huntington, WFGH-FM Fort Gay, and WTHM-LP Ravenswood, West Virginia. All right, the Thursday night games, there's two of them. The first one will kick off 6 p.m. Central Time, Long Island at FIU. This will be the first meeting between Long Island and FIU. This is an FIU team, Justin, that did not win a football game last year. So it's been, they haven't won a game since 2019. Feels like forever ago since 2019, but they're looking for their first win in a couple of years, and it will try to start here against Long Island. Yeah, and... Butch Davis is probably, in my opinion, one of the coaches in this conference. He's on the hot seat. You know, then he needs to win. And though this is a uh, D3 game, I'm very interested in seeing how the quarterback play is for for the Panthers tonight. They're bringing a, they're bringing a transfer quarterback. i got to pull up his name here, though, real quick. Uh, uh, Max Bortenschlager. Yeah, He's Borten back Schlager. again. Maryland uh, transfer. Ma- yep, yeah, Maryland transfer. Uh, so I'm interested to see how good he plays uh, tonight, but uh, tomorrow night. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go F- FIU. I, I don't. 
just just because Long Island's not really a D, as I was mentioning at the top of the show when if you're a D1 school playing like a D2 or D3 school you you're supposed to blow them out of the water so I'm gonna go FIU big here yeah I think FIU is gonna win this football game as well they got one of the best running backs I think in Conference USA another guy that uh, you could mention maybe uh, in, the, in the talks for a breakout player Devonte Price 581 yards and a couple of scores last year in just five games so it's an FIU team again just trying to get off to a good start when 0-5 last year uh, and only playing five games is tough but I'm going to go FIU as well but again don't just ease up and think Long Island the Sharks and the Sharks that's a great name by the way for a oh, mascot great. the Long Island Sharks um, but they still have some growing up to do I think and uh, only played a few games last year they beat Bryant in their first spring game but lost to Sacred Heart and Duquesne over the next couple of weeks. So this will be their first game as well, but I think FIU takes care of business. Ben, what do you think? You going to go for the Finns? No, I'm going to stay with you guys on this one. Uh, I'm going to take FIU over the Sharks, no matter how cool their name is and uh, how interesting it would be if Long Island beat them. Uh, yeah, I'm going with FIU on this one. I'm sticking with the crowd. All right, let's go to uh... – the Thursday night game up in Bowling Green, Kentucky. The Western Kentucky Hilltoppers are going to welcome the UT Martin Skyhawks. Andrew, who, who you got in this game? Well, looking at it, obviously this is an exciting one because you get to see the Hilltoppers in the new offense on, under Zach Kitley, the offensive coordinator and the projected starting quarterback in Bailey Zapp, who we've talked about a little bit, the transfer from Houston Baptist, um, where he had a phenomenal season last year. And, and listen to these numbers in the games against FBS opponents. 63%, nearly 63% of his passes were completed, almost 1,500 yards, 12 touchdowns, and just one interception. Those games against FBS opponents were against North Texas, Texas Tech, and Louisiana Tech. So that's two Conference USA schools and a Power 5 team. So he was really good against the FBS, and I'm interested to see how well he performs in this matchup, obviously, against a UT Martin team. Um, that put together a decent FCS spring. And, and keep in mind, these FCS teams played in the spring. So not a much of a turnout. I mean, this is a quick turnout. Not much of an offseason these FCS teams have had. UT Martin went 3-4, and four, had a good passing game, uh, which saw it against the run. And that's the one thing Western struggled with last year. They didn't run the football particularly well with Gage Walker. So against what was a solid UT Martin run defense a year ago, uh, well, not a year ago, but in the spring, um, that could create a challenge. And I think that's the big thing that I am uh, keeping an eye on in this matchup. Can Western run the football? Because they didn't do it well last year. So you're going to go Western? I'm going to go Western Kentucky, right. though. Yeah, if I'm going to go Western Kentucky, I like the Hilltoppers uh, over UT Martin. Uh, I agree with you. I'm going to go with uh, Western Kentucky. I'm interested to see, uh, again, as you mentioned, I'm interested to see how, how the Houston Baptist offensive scheme from last year blends into the the uh, Western the new Western offense. I'm interested to see that. Also excited to see a D'Angelo Malone play on the defensive end. I'm excited to see how uh, deep, how good the defense is. So I'm, I'm going to go with Western Kentucky because I think with the FCS not playing, I think this is this is going to be a blowout. So I'm going to go Western. Ben? Yeah, I'm going with WKU on this one. New offense. They got the air raid. And even if uh, you know, UT – or excuse me, uh, the other uh, – no matter uh, if the other team has a real good run defense, they're going to be hucking the ball down the field with their new QB. So I'm going to go uh, Western Kentucky on this one. All right, on to Friday night. We'll preview the two Friday night games and then step aside for another quick break. The first Friday night game is Duke 
versus Charlotte. And, Ben, I'm going to send it to you first because you picked Charlotte. Just reiterate, uh, summarize, quick summarization. Is that a word? Yeah. Quick yeah, summarization of the summarization. Yeah, yeah. Of, of your Ben's of Ben's bullseye of the week as you picked okay. Duke not to cover that number. So just a little bit more on why you like Charlotte in this matchup. I mean, I like Charlotte in this matchup because, I mean, both their defenses are not fantastic. I mean, there's a, a whole new cast of characters for Charlotte. Nobody says that they're going to be coherent at all. I mean, last year they were very up and down. You know, even if they have a little more talent this year. You don't know if they're going to be able to put that talent to use. Uh, there's Charlotte, I just look at their offense, and it's more competent than Duke. Uh, no matter if Duke beat them last year, it's in Charlotte. Uh, they have a QB with a lot to prove and a lot of expectations. Uh, strong wide receiver core, uh, stronger than Duke's. Uh, and, I mean, the only thing that Duke really has, again, is their running back with, uh, with uh, Mateo Durant. And... I think they can counter that because they, uh, the 49ers have a solid D-line. So if they're able to just contain Duke's rushing attack, they're going to pick them apart through the air. So I'm taking Charlotte over Duke in this one. Justin. I'm going to go Duke. Uh, I, I, you know, I look at Charlotte. I, I know Charlotte last year, you know, they held up. They didn't, you know, they didn't play great against Duke. This is the first... Here's a good interesting guy for you. First Power 5 team that Charlotte's going to host at their stadium. Uh, yep. This is for, for the mid-release we have here. So, yeah, I think Reynolds, I think he's, I think they're, Charlotte's an okay team. They're not, they're not great. So, I, I think Duke's just going to be able to run laps all over them. So, I'm going to go with the Duke. Run laps. They're going to put the points up on the board. It's, like, by the time it's going to be, like, double. Run them all, run all over them. Yeah, they're going to, it's going to be. It'll be over by the second half. That's a little bit what second it was quarter. like last year. They ran Duke, the Blue Devils, that is, 275 yards on the ground last year. And Charlotte kept up with Duke for the most part, just couldn't punch it in at times and did have a couple of more turnovers. The thing about Duke last year as an offense, turnovers. They turned the ball over a lot worse in college football with 39 giveaways last year. So they've got to right the ship there. And I like what Charlotte's got at quarterback in Chris Reynolds, I think. Uh, they'll be ready to roll. We know that's a good environment there um, at Jerry Richardson Stadium. They've got a good environment, uh, a coach in Will Healy that loves to get the fans and his guys energetic. Um, and then, again, you can't mention Chris Reynolds is back. He's a good quarterback with a lot to prove. And they have Victor Tucker outside of wide receiver. Can they, If they run the football, control this football game, they'll knock off the Blue Devils, and I think they do. So I'm with Cowher. I'm going to like I like the 49ers in this matchup. The final Friday game is Old Dominion at Wake Forest. So this is another Conference USA ACC matchup, an Old Dominion team that is finally going to hit the field for the first time since 2019. Did not play last year because of COVID-19 concerns. The Ricky Ron era in Norfolk gets underway Friday night. Justin, what do you think about this matchup? I think I'm excited for the Old Dominion players. I think there's this like buzz around, you know, around Old Dominion about like, oh, what's this team gonna look like? Because no one's seen this team under Ricky Ran and Ricky Ron and you know everyone else played last year, and Old Dominion was like, yeah, we're gonna set this one out. So it's hard to be like, oh, what to expect? This is what we're gonna see. So I'm gonna take the safe pick here. I'm gonna go with uh, the Demon Deacons of Wake Forest. I, I, it's just hard for me to go, oh, Old Dominion's gonna win when. 
I've never seen Old Dominion take a snap of the football until Friday night, so I'm going to go with the Demon Deacons big here. This is going to be a blowout as well. When you say big, specify? It's uh, more be, than 30. Yeah, way okay. more than 30. Ben. Way more. I don't know. I think I'm going to go with ODU on this one. Bold. I mean, they, they're coming back after you. I mean, ODU has a lot to prove, and I mean, in the past, they have an uncanny ability to, you know, upset in games where they probably oh, should be yeah. winning. You remember? Anybody remember when they beat VT? I remember it, but I, I didn't think you as the person from Leesburg and <laughs> Virginia Tech would bring that up. I'm going I'm, with the Virginia team on this one. I'm going with ODU. He likes the monarchs. I, I, thought, I thought you would wait till uh, Virginia Tech plays Middle Tennessee to bring no, that up. Okay. No, no. I'm, I'm breaking it out now. Okay. Might as well. All right, so you got Old Dominion. I'm going to go with Wake Forest, the safe pick as well. But I think the start of this football game is going to see the Monarchs get out to a good start because, quite frankly, I don't know that the Demon Deacons know what to expect I don't think from Old does. Dominion. So coming out, I think Old Dominion could have to get out to a good start. And I think from the Monarchs' perspective, they keep this within 7 to 14 points, 20 at the max. You'll take that as, success, as a successful game. You lose this football game... 31-17. I think you'll walk away feeling good about yourself. Obviously, not playing in a while. You're playing a Power 5 team on the road, a Friday night matchup on the ACC network. So I think keeping this relatively close and battling, you just want this to be a game to where Wake Forest has got to work. they got to earn every down, meaningful downs late in the second half of that football game. But I think Wake Forest wins, but I expect Old Dominion to keep it close and, and, and only not lose by more than two scores. I think they battle for like three minutes, and then old. Wow. I think I think Old Dominion's gonna have a lot of juice, a lot of energy, and that leads to penalties and, and dumb mistakes. So I'm gonna go with Wake Forest. I I think there's gonna be a little too much juice in that locker room, and you're gonna, they're gonna come out there, and it's gonna be penalty against Old Dominion a bunch. All right, we'll take one final break, and then we've got a bunch of games on Saturday that we'll preview and pick. That's next on Inside Conference USA here on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. To be fully fit, you have to be physically fit. You also have to be mentally fit. I wish that more warriors would realize how important it is that you get the psychological support that you need so that you can focus on the rest of your life. I think it takes strength in order to admit that you have an issue, but it also takes intuitiveness of a friend, a leader, a supervisor to pick up on the signal that the soldier is having issues and needs to seek professional help in dealing with it. It's also important for the lowest possible levels of leadership to be very supportive in helping their members get the help that they need. When I went to get help, I had more help than I could have asked for from my entire command. It's sometimes challenging to come to a senior staff member or senior officer in the unit with a problem. There's not a commanding officer out there or a leadership staff out there that doesn't want to help. So don't hesitate. Come ask. Learn more by visiting www.realwarriors.net or calling 1-866-966-1020. After the phone interview, I assumed the apartment was mine. But when I got to the place and the manager saw me, he told me it was no longer available. My husband and I wanted to see all the neighborhoods with great schools, but our real estate agent only showed us the communities where she thought we would be more comfortable. I was so excited to move into my new place, but now that I'm here, I found out that the landlord is charging me higher rent than my neighbors. Now that doesn't make me feel very welcome. 
These individuals may have experienced housing discrimination. The Fair Housing Act prohibits discrimination because of race, color, national origin, religion, sex, disability, and familial status. If you've experienced discrimination, call 1-800-669-9777 or visit www.hud.gov slash fairhousing. Live free from housing discrimination. Hi, this is Jason Filia, host of the Sports Fill-In and voice of the Ironton Fighting Tigers on Fox Sports 1230 and 1420. You are listening to the worldwide leader of martial sports coverage, the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Back on Inside Conference USA, the final portion here, the final 15 minutes or so. We've already picked Long Island FIU, UTEP, or UT Martin, Western Kentucky, Duke, Charlotte, and Old Dominion, Wake Forest. Those games the first two Thursday, the next two Friday. On to the Saturday matchups. We'll start in Fayetteville, Arkansas. That's where the Rice Owls will travel for the season opener. They'll play the Arkansas Razorbacks. Justin, what do you think about this matchup and who do you like? I'm going to go with Arkansas, but I, I, I instead of this game being like a little blowout, I think this game actually has a chance to be close. Uh, I think looking at Rice, I'm brilliant to see how how the Owls respond after last year. I think they put I think they put a lot of people on notice with the win against Marshall. I'm interested to see how Mike Bloomgren and, and his staff, you know, how they how they look for the 2021 year. But I was like, I, Arkansas is not really that good of a team in the Power Five. They're kind of I think they're kind of like the bottom feeders. Uh, but they have a great offensive coordinator though, and Kendall Bryles, who I think is in line for a head coaching job one day. But I'm gonna go Arkansas though. But this game is gonna be closer than a lot of people think it's gonna be. Ben. I'm with Justin on this one. I'm going with uh, I'm going with Arkansas, the Razorbacks, but I, it is going to be closer than a lot of people think because uh, again, Arkansas was only three and seven last year. Yep. I mean, they they were were okay, but uh, I think Rice will come out with a little pep, pep in their step. Uh, it'll be a little closer. I don't know if it, it's going to be within like you know, field goal or something, but I, I think it'll be closer than a lot of people think. Yeah, I like Arkansas as well. We'll all we'll go Arkansas in that category. I think Rice can keep it close. I, I expect this game to be within two scores as well. Marshall-Navy, none of us will make a pick on that game. I'll have the call from Annapolis. Justin Zimmer's going to be on the road with us, uh, keeping uh, some stats, doing some spotting. And then Ben Cowher will be back in the studio. You'll, you'll hear him on the pregame show. That'll start at 2.30. Um, right after football season right after, review. Yeah, football season in review. 1.30 to about 2.30. Ben will come on with Christian Palmer, and they'll get you sent for Marshall and Navy before sending it down uh, sending to it Annapolis. Up, sending it east. They're sending it east, yeah. East east and down maybe a little bit, maybe more up. Um, but we won't make a pick, but what to expect in this game, Justin? What do you think? Well, I'm, I, I think I'm very interested to see the Marshall, the Marshall offense, how you know how well that they adapt to the Coach Huff system. I think you know there's been – I think so far it's been all talk, and we really haven't seen much. I'm really interested to see that. But also, you know, you and I were on the call with Coach Huff yesterday, and I asked him about the triple option and how hard, you know. I think as opposed to studying last year's film, he told he told me they've studied the past four or five years of film yeah. on Navy. So they've had, they have enough options to defend the triple option. But here's the key to the game, since, since you won't hear me on Saturday. Time of possession. Absolutely. Navy is known to control the football a lot. 
If you're Marshall's defense, if you're Lance Gidry and that defensive staff, you have to end the drive on three down. You cannot let a drive prolong to the five and six minute range because Navy's going to get points on the board. So this is going to be a very time of possession oriented ball game. Ben, any thoughts before I provide mine? I'm just interested to see Coach Huff's new offense in motion. I, I mean, there's so much, uh, just a new team. Uh, I mean, it, it's going to be so interesting to see a, a guy coming from the Power Five, you know, now just taking over the team, and we'll see what we got against the very hot and cold Navy, yeah. you know, Michigan team. I mean, they, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. Uh, it could be extremely close, or if Huff's got the offense really clicking, I mean, we could... Marshall has the opportunity to do some big things, so I'm, I'm looking more at the offense, but uh, big thing, uh, debut for Coach Huff. Yeah. It'll be very interesting. Maryland native. I'll try to barrel this down and probably save some for Saturday, but it's going to be an exciting game. Keep in mind, Charles Huff's going to make his head coaching debut on Saturday, so not only... You know, coming over from the Power Five, hasn't been a head coach before, hasn't controlled and his own a, team he's in a game. about an hour away from where he grew up. I've been through his hometown. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see how not only he coaches, obviously you guys mentioned the offense, but he mentioned something yesterday during his press conference that was very accurate, and that was Navy doesn't follow up bad seasons with another bad season. Right. They're going to be ready to roll. And this is a team that, despite not having a ton of guys back, uh, that have that ran the football a year ago and still t- trying to decide between its two quarterbacks. They got a lot of guys back on defense, and again, that scheme is the scheme. On they're gonna, the wishbone, they're going to run the football. It doesn't matter who's in the backfield to run it. They're going to run it, and they're going to try to run it effectively. So it's going to create a challenge for this Marshall defense that was really good a season ago. It should be an exciting matchup. Louisiana Tech, Mississippi State. I'll start us off here. Listen. I like Austin Kendall. Give me the Bulldogs. I think they upset the other Bulldogs in Mississippi State. Give me Louisiana Tech to upset Mississippi State Saturday afternoon in Starkville. I'm going to go Mississippi State. I think last year they kind of had a bad finish to the season. Uh, we all saw the brawl with Tulsa, and I think they were. Just, I think they have a bad taste in their mouth after uh, their bowl their bowl game. So I'm going to go with uh, the Mississippi State Bulldogs in this game. I think this is going to be another one of those blowouts. Okay. Cower. I'm sticking with Leach. I'm going with Leach and Mississippi State. And they got the. They're going to take down uh, Louisiana Tech. Hopefully, I, no, hopefully no fights, though. Hopefully no fights. Hopefully. No fights. But uh, yeah, I'm 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 sticking with uh, Mississippi State on this one. I made my bold pick of the week. I, I like I like the La Tech Bulldogs again. Listen, Austin Kendall came from the Power Five. He's got that experience. Monmouth and Middle Tennessee State. Ben, what do you think? I don't know. I mean, Monmouth didn't play a lot of games last year, but in their first three before they got kind of decimated by COVID, they blew out all three of their opponents. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure. You know what? Let's go with Monmouth on this one. Monmouth. Monmouth. Right. I, I, you know, they listen. They were uh, when they had all of you know when they had a healthy team, they were. Pretty they competent on the offensive side yeah, of the ball. They were good. So I'm going to go with uh, another shocking pick, but I'm going to go with Monmouth on this one. Justin. Middle Tennessee fans, enjoy one of your only wins of the year. I would go with the Blue Raiders. Uh, without, Harsh. Uh, I'm very interested to see how the uh, how the Blue Raiders do without quarterback Ash O'Hara. So if you're a Blue Raiders fan, sit there, enjoy the game, only when you're getting. Wow. 
You did you didn't like him last week. I like this Middle Tennessee State Blue Raiders team, and the quarterback that's going to replace Asher O'Hare is Bailey Hockman. He transfers in from NC State, got some playing time there, uh, and quite frankly was solid for them. And they get their two transfer running backs in Amir Rasul and Martel Petaway on the roster. Now they both opted out a season ago. Give me Middle Tennessee State in a big way, a blowout that's going to make Ben Cowers' Monmouth pick look bad, but it's no. it's his first time no. picking, so it's okay. No, I mean it's also Middle's only win of the year. I, they're not gonna they're not gonna win another game beyond. Well, I mean, you've been talking. You, 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 like, you have you been like the Blue Raiders. Yeah, you really don't like that. Middle Tennessee. You've called them anemic. You've called them no right. offense. They, we, got, we got about eight and eight and a half minutes or so to pick five games. Right. So do the math. Up here. Speed Florida, round. Number 13, Florida, is going to welcome in the Owls, the Florida Atlantic Owls. A couple of Florida teams. Nikosi Perry was named the team's starting quarterback, that being for FAU. He's the Miami uh, out of Florida transfer. Give me Florida in this football game. I think FAU can try to keep it close, but Perry in his first game, um, it's going to be a tough environment there in Gainesville to go up against the Gators. So give me Florida to beat FAU. Florida. I don't even get why they're playing the game. I'm going to go Florida. Oh, Florida. I, I think, you know, FAU will definitely put some points on the board, but they're not going to beat Florida. They're not. Watch me, you know, saying that now. All three of us agree. Now they're now Florida's going to Florida's going to lose. Yeah. <laughs> North Texas, Northwestern State. Cower, what do you think? Uh, you got to give me a second. Think about this one. Sorry. You, you go ahead, Justin. I'm gonna I'm gonna go North Texas. I'm very interested to see that Phil Bennett defense against a Northwestern State. I think they're gonna have a very good year on the defensive side of the ball, a lot better than years past. I'm gonna go with the Amin Green. I'm with the Mean Green as well. DeAndre Torrey, um, Austin on, they're they're gone, and that was a good offense from a season ago. They lose Jalen Darden to the NFL. He's with the Buccaneers. They bring in a quarterback from North Carolina, Jace Reuter, who should factor in some, to some playing time with Austin on, who's back as well at quarterback and had a good year. I think North Texas wins this football game. Fun fact, Northwestern the State leads the all-time series, though, 6-4. to four. But give me the Mean Green. Really? Okay, that's interesting. You know, I'll go with you guys. I'm going with the Mean Green. Give me the Mean Green on this one. This is another exciting game and could be one that, um, I don't know, could – could present an upset. UTSA going to go to Champaign to play the Fighting Illini. Illinois played last week. They beat Nebraska 1-0. Lost their starting quarterback early in that football game. But Brandon Peters came on, or excuse me, Arthur Sikowski came on for the injured Brandon Peters and was really good. Two touchdown passes and threw for over 120 yards. So interesting matchup here with Illinois welcoming in what is one of the top teams in the West Division. Cowan, I think you and Cowan both have made a bold pick. I, I'm I, about, didn't, I didn't make a pick. I uh, was just introducing no, it. No, I'm just saying like you made a bold pick tonight. Was, was, oh. What are you thinking? I'm going to go bold pick. Roadrunners. You, you you picked Illinois not to cover five and a half, right? Yeah, but I... Uh, so, but, uh, so you've got UT, you're riding the, the Roadrunners here. Heck yes. I think uh, right. McCormick and Harris are going to have a great game. I, I, I didn't like Belima's offense against Nebraska, so I'm, I'm going to... See, Carol, I can pick up sets. I'm gonna go uh, Roadrunners. Okay, Ben, you say so. Uh, I'm not. I'm not gonna take the. Uh, I'm not going with the risky pick on this one. I'm going with uh, the Fighting Illini. 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 Uh, Illinois gonna take the win. Gonna go two and zero. Give me UTSA. I like the Roadrunners Ooh. as well. Listen, Frank Harris. They've okay. got the reigning Conference USA play Offensive Player of the Year in Sincere McCormick. I think he has a field day against this. 
uh, Illinois defense that struggled a little bit against Nebraska. I know uh, Adrian Martinez is a mobile quarterback when watching that game uh, between Nebraska and Illinois this past week. They struggled a little bit with it, and Frank Harris has that dynamic to him where yeah. he can run the football and throw it, and they've got good wide receivers to go along with a good running game. So give me the Roadrunners for an upset. All right, let's go up to the uh, the affectionately the new head coach's bowl. Ken Womack, he will he will take over the South Alabama Jaguars for the first time, and Will Hall takes over the Southern Miss Golden Eagles. Andrew, we'll start off with you. Who, who do you got in this game? Interesting matchup. Second all-time beating. They met last year, South Alabama won, and the line is at one. So this is going to be a close football game. Frank Gore Jr. is back for the Golden Eagles. They've got Trey Lowe, who you mentioned, Justin, as your uh, newcomer of the year. They've got him at quarterback now after losing Jack Abraham and Tate Watley. Uh, so Lowe, uh, who is 2-1 and one as a starter, is going to take the reins this year. I think the Golden Eagles get it done. They're going to go on the road, and they're going to get revenge for a loss last year. So give me Will Hall and the Golden Eagles to get to one and zero ben i'm going with the golden eagles on this one i mean the line is so close but as andrew said they got a bone to pick so i'm going with the golden eagles on this one i'm gonna go golden eagles as well they're bringing back 21 of their 22 starters i think that's a very huge advantage the final game we've got we've got to the final game buffoon cookman and UTEP. And and keep in mind, we did not pick a game of the week because it's week one. Yeah. There's no game of the week. Every game's the game of the Every week. Every we'll game start is picking the week. it next week. Justin the asked me bad. that. I, I, didn't, I shouldn't have to tell you the game of the week. They're all games of the week. Well, I mean, there's, some, game, there's, some, game, there's some games season. that have more, more emphasis than other games. Um, UTEP Bethune-Cookman, first ever meeting. I'm going to go UTEP, but the key to the game is going to be penalties for UTEP. UTEP cannot have 12 penalties at 140 yards. If they if they keep going on this penalty train, they they should be able to blow out Bethune Cookman no problem. But uh, the penalties concern me. But also, um, I want to see that rushing attack have another great game. So the miners. Power. All right, give me a U, give me a T, give me an E, give me an a P. I'm taking UTEP on this one. Uh, as you know, Justin said, if they can cut out some of the mistakes. I believe it'll be a fairly easy win for UTEP on this one. We should have people back there with you. <laughs> well, we got Palmer back here. Uh, Palmer, do you want to join us? Christian okay. Palmer is back here in the studio with me. He's right, taking Andrew. notes right now. But yeah, I'm going. Uh, I'm going with UTEP on this one, Andrew. Yeah, I've got the Miners as well. I think they get to two and zero. I liked what they did offensively against New Mexico State, and defensively they were really good as well. So I think they get to two and zero. They. Uh, beat Bethune-Cookman pretty handily. The only Conference USA team that'll be 2-0 and when we talk to you next Wednesday. And Just enjoy, the, enjoy their last win because I don't think they, they don't have another winnable game on that schedule. You've been saying that a lot this evening. You said, about that, that said that about Middle no, Tennessee this, State I'm, I'm and now the West Division. The shutdown. A big objective so, here. So quite frankly, if you're listening, anytime we preview a UTEP football game or Middle Tennessee State football game for that matter, you know who Justin's picking, but I can't wait until they have more than one or two wins, and then he starts changing his picks as the years go on. Just to recap, though, the games that are happening this week, uh, two games featuring ACC opponents, three against SEC opponents, one against the Big Ten, that's UTSA over Illinois, and then one from the American, that's Marshall against Navy. So good competition here. Justin, in week one, it should be an exciting week. I mean, this is the best time for a couch. You know, football fan. I'm excited to watch some of these games. Uh, you know, I mean, some interesting games. Saturday night are gonna have some tough competition because uh, you got that Georgia Clemson game. But uh, 
I'm very interested in watching all these football games, watching all these teams compete. But you know, if if your team right now, you gotta, this is you know, you you work all camp to get to this point, but now it's time now now it's time to execute your execute. But I think come Monday we're gonna have some. I think some teams are gonna perform very well, and we'll, and we'll be praising them. But some teams are gonna underperform, and we're gonna have to. Sit, Yep. So have some conversations about how good could this, these teams actually be. That's how it all goes. But first and foremost, got to think, remember, last year at this time, we weren't certain yeah, if any of these is... teams would play. So at this point, with no cancellations, that's a good sign. Hopefully it stays that way. Yeah, and that's the thing you got to hope for. You know, you got to keep you guys healthy. I mean, you know, the vaccine's not mandated on any one of these campuses, to my knowledge. So your, your main thing is you got to keep your players healthy. And the players still have to have discipline. That that means no parties. No, you know, just go to practice, go to meetings, go to class in your room. So, just glad college football's back. Yes, sir. All right, that does it for Inside Conference USA for Ben Cower, Justin Zimmer. I'm Andrew Rogers. We'll talk to you next Wednesday at 5:30. Next is Sports Buzz. Thank you for listening to Inside Conference USA on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Tune in again next Wednesday at 5.30 for another episode. You've been listening to another sports presentation on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network.